You're listening to the Buildify Method Podcast, where we're all about mindset, systems, and profit. As a nationally recognized business consultant, coach, and speaker, your host, Aaron Keith, is passionate about supporting the entrepreneur community by sharing his knowledge gained from coaching over 10,000 entrepreneurs in nearly 20 years, companies ranging from billion-dollar enterprises and celebrities all the way to Main Street and small startups. Each Buildisode's blunt, no-bullshit conversation is led by Aaron along with his co-host, Ryan Coyne, a veteran tech consultant and nationally recognized speaker. Each week, Aaron and Ryan deconstruct mental and physical aspects of the topics that challenge all successful entrepreneurs, while also providing coaching, insight, and specific advice on distinctions that affect all growth-minded entrepreneurs. So listen up. It's time to work on your business, not just in your business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Buildify Method podcast. My name's Aaron Keith, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Coyne. Hello. Today, Ryan and I are going to talk about emotional-based businesses versus integrity-based businesses. Having coached thousands and thousands of companies over the years and standing back and looking at the people, the departments, and the companies that truly function at a high level, there's several common threads that exist. One of those common threads that we've noticed over the years is these people, these departments, these companies that are really thriving, very consistent one of the common threads is that they have a relationship to commitment and their word versus honoring their feelings and emotions. Yeah. And the difference really couldn't be more stark between those two different kinds of companies. Um, everything from, you know, the corporate culture itself um, to the productivity to every aspect, um, you know, it even makes somebody more coachable. Just like in school, you know, if you do your homework, then you can participate in class well. If you're not, you know, doing what you're supposed to do when you say you're going to do it, then you're going to have bad grades. It's not that different in business. Absolutely. Let's jump on in. Sounds good. So I I got some questions for you. We're going to do this where, you know, I set you up for talking about some of your experience and what you see is, you know, what works for people. Um, So looking at where making decisions via emotions versus integrity can negatively impact a company. Let's get the negative stuff uh, addressed because that's the thing that's hurting everybody. Yeah. You know, so when hiring, which is the question that we get a lot, because, you know, if you're doing any kind of well, even if you don't really, if you're not doing it properly, then you're looking to grow and expand. And the thing we hear very commonly and frequently is that people have a tough time finding talent or identifying talent you know, to be something that is quality and that's going to stick when they do find somebody that's interested in working there. So when hiring, where do you see emotions versus integrity impact a company? So it's a question that I think both of us get a lot when we're working with our clients. And one of the things that I start to notice when we're, we're looking at the emotions versus the integrity component in hiring is a lot of companies nowadays, uh, especially younger companies that are growing fast, they, they just haven't put the procedures in place because it's cumbersome, it's time consuming, it's it's not sexy and exciting, right? It's not marketing and sales. You know, they they haven't sat down and built a true interview process, an onboarding process, or I mean, even a process of how they do reviews with their staff. So a lot of people, they're just running it by the seat of their pants, because sitting down and building out all your interview questions is not the most fun thing in the world to do for most entrepreneurs. So this is one of those places where their feelings about something 
is negatively impacting the growth and the scalability of the business versus sitting down and knowing, listen, this part of my company needs a degree of integrity. It needs a degree of workability. And for that workability to exist, I have to spend the time and energy to build out proper systems that scale with my company and my organization. Yeah, no, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. In fact, if there was some kind of, you know, thing that you could have people, you know, walk away from that statement with in terms of what they should do if they're looking to enhance their own process and, you know, clean that up, you know, what would you ask them to do next? I'd probably say a couple things. Um, let's break this down by the hiring process. I think sitting down and actually building with your team an honest to God hiring process that you feel uh, segments out or, or filters out all of your candidates, allowing you to bring on the right type of person because there's there's nothing uh, more uh, more painful than spending time and energy bringing on a new human being just to find out in the first ninety days that they don't fit your company culture. You know they they were hired because they interviewed well and you liked them, right? Liking somebody is emotional versus actually running someone through the paces and seeing liking them aside, do they fit the criteria in our hiring process? So that would be one of the first kind of homework assignments I would, I would task you all with. I'd say the next one is onboarding. Onboarding and training is absolutely clutch to having a business that has workability to it. And sitting down and building your onboarding process, your training manuals, your training videos, oh my gosh, so time consuming. So much time that goes into that. And a lot of us young entrepreneurs... We don't want to do it. That doesn't sound fun. There's better things that we can convince ourselves that we should be doing with our time. But again, the breakdown of integrity in that department is painful and gets expensive. So, yeah, and it's also something that I've seen and heard about many people being discouraged from hiring because the first thought is, "Oh my God, I have to train this person." Right. You know, <laughs> and that's you know, and I, I when I when I'm speaking in um, you know on on different uh, technology topics and different stuff around the country. One of the first things that I ask people in the audience is raise your hand if you've ever had it where you, you say to somebody who's offering to help you, I would love your help with this, but it would take me just as long to show you how to do it as it would for me to do it myself. Right. That is so common. And creating those manuals and stuff eliminates that for forever. Absolutely. And it's it what puts the integrity in place so that your company has the backbone infrastructure to grow and scale. Because let's just be straight about it. So many of us want our companies to grow really fast, have lots of consistency to them. But when you stand back and you actually say with honest to God integrity, does my company have the infrastructure that it needs to double, triple in size? Most entrepreneurs are going to say no. Right. Or they can at least identify one or two departments of their company where it's breaking down or lacking. And so this is an opportunity for us as entrepreneurs to stand back and analyze our business and just ask. So if I'm going to double, triple, quadruple my business, what department is not ready for that? There's lacking the infrastructure for that. And that will point you in the right direction. It's a great exercise. For sure. And, you know, I mean, I'm guilty of this in some ways. And it's part of my personality, as I'm sure it is so many people. Uh, like, I'm not sure if you're like me, but I'm a one trip from the car with the groceries person where I, I have as many bags as possible on on my hands in one trip as I possibly can. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people run their business like that. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. So I, I also see these kinds of things, you know, uh, creeping in as part of security decisions, 
um, marketing decisions. Um, did you want to jump into that right now or do you want to wait until later? No, let's look at let's look at what you're seeing. So where are you seeing it from a security perspective? Yeah. So, you know, being in IT, we're constantly having conversations with people that range from, hey, you're already at risk or, hey, you could be at risk or, hey, these people we've identified as being a risk or, you know, it's Microsoft made a decision that, you know, by January 14th, 2020, Windows Server 2008 is going to be expiring. And there's a lot of people, I think, under out of, out of the 300 and something servers that we manage, I think we had 29 of them that need to be updated by January. Wow. So we go to people. And we would say, hey, this is what's going on. You know, it's not, it doesn't make any sense for you to, you know, uh, upgrade this thing. It's time to replace. It's been X amount of years. And then somebody will say, well, why do I need that? And it's like, we're sitting down where you're an expert in your business. I'm an expert in my business. And for, for you to have hired an expert and be working with the expert, whether it's, you know, security decisions or marketing decisions, and then to be dismissing out of hand that, well, what's the risk? Well, no, it's a, it's a tremendous risk. Microsoft says so. We say so. You know, this is something we want to avoid. You know, we, we there's two kinds of people, people who've been burned and people who haven't been burned yet. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how security is. Right. So there's an emotional aspect to, I either don't think it's worth it, like they, they don't understand it, so therefore they don't respect it and therefore it's not worth their money. You know, you have this impulse shopping thing where like you're, you're checking out in a store um, and you know, the bed, bath and beyond type of places are great for this, where you see like a silicone kitchen tool that you all of a sudden go, Oh my God, I need this right? because it's tangible, you know? And even if you don't actually need it, it's there, it's inexpensive. You can hold it in your hand. You can see it. You can take it home with you right then. Right. But you know, the abstract, whether it's the onboarding and training manual, which is also intangible until it exists, um, or deciding that you're going to take your security seriously or your, even in the, the marketing realm where you all of a sudden are talking to a designer who's saying, Hey, you know, these colors are what's going to work. These colors work together. This logo conveys what you're trying to get across in your message. You know, this newsletter gets your message across in, in this way so on and so forth. And then either the owner or, you know, somebody else who's in charge of uh, coordinating the marketing efforts might say, but I don't like it. Well, wait mm-hmm. a second. If we've got data that shows that either you're having a security risk in this way, or that this is what is you know defined efficacy in the marketing realm, that we do it this way, you know that's the data is what supports it, not our feelings. Right. So if we're not doing it from feelings, why are they dismissing it out of feelings? This is is tremendously detrimental to their flow. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. And there's so many people I see that too, also on the marketing side, where you know their their opinions are given by what they want, their preferences you know, that, that what's aesthetically pleasing to them. And a lot of people are just lazy because it, it's not easy. It takes time and they don't know what their ideal customer or their target market actually wants. And if we're going to grow and scale a business, it's not about us. It's about them. It's about the customer. And if we're not taking the time and the energy to figure that out, that drastically handcuffs us to our ability to grow and scale the company. Absolutely. And most of those decisions that you're pointing to all come down to feelings versus integrity, doing what it's required or what we know needs to be done to grow a business versus what we feel like doing in the moment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let me ask you in the area of finances, because you know, the almighty dollar is King. That's obviously what keeps businesses going. I don't, we don't, we don't work with uh, too many nonprofits. Although if you, if you're somebody who cares about uh, growing, and using your network to grow, coordinating with nonprofits is great, but you know we are not 501c3s and we're usually not working with 501c3 organizations. Right. So in the area of finances, where do you see emotions versus integrity impacting a company there? 
So this is a really big one. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this one today. Uh, so I work with a lot of companies that are in the 1 million to 5 million range. And depending on uh, who you ask or what books you read, you'll see a lot of finance books kind of pointing to and a lot of experts kind of explaining that cause, you know, crossing that uh, valley of death, so to speak, though, the one to five million range, you know, getting your company from one to two, and then really trying to cross that bridge, get it to, to three, four, and then eventually five, that is a very, very challenging space to cross for most companies. And if you don't have a very, very firm grasp on your finances, you either A, won't be able to do it, B, you'll do it and then backslide down to two grand or two million, two and a half million, something like that. Or the people who actually do the work can cross that bridge and maintain and then grow past. Can you so, speak more on that though? Can you can you elaborate a little bit more uh, about why the difference from is from one to five so specifically? Yeah. So it depends on who you ask. It definitely depends on industry. So I'll speak about this kind of in a very general way is as you're starting to go from one to 2 million upwards of five, the profit margin of your business tends to shrink in a lot of industries because you're having to staff up. So if, if you're staffing up to grow, 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 there's a point where your staff load is getting so big, your margin's getting smaller. So there's not as, as much net profit. So if you're having very loose finances, you're wasting money. You don't have a good uh, understanding of what your salary caps need to be, what your margins need to be in other areas. It causes a huge problem. Sure. So this is one of those places where I, where I see emotions and integrity kind of collide here is a lot of business owners, me included, I was never taught about finances. I had to hire a finance coach and a business coach to really dive in with me for a better part of a decade, truly teaching me and having me understand money, having me understand how money flows, how to understand finances, business and personal. Because so your personal has a, a sizable impact on your company finances, though a lot of people don't look at it that way. And so when you're looking at the, the financial department, I would say that a lot of us, a lot of us entrepreneurs, you know, we procrastinate around our finances. You know, if, if all of you that were listening to this were, were, were physically in a room with Ryan and I, and we asked you to show a hands, how many of you with integrity could say that you're managing your business's fi- your business finances with true integrity? Like you're looking at all the reports every week and every month you're supposed to look at, that your bookkeeper is doing a solid job, that you're meeting with your CPA, your accountant several times a year like you're supposed to be. So a lot of us just avoid this because no one ever taught us. We don't know, right? So we're lacking information. So we kind of stick our head in the sand. And uh, it's one of the more challenging areas of a business because it's just not something that's widely taught when we were growing up. Most of our, our parents didn't talk to us about money. So it just, it turns into this very nebulous place. So you're saying don't fold by default, learn how to play poker properly. Yeah, it's uh, poker's in your future. You're going to have to learn how to play if you want to have the money that you all say that you want to have. So it, here's a way that I'm used to saying it, is that if if you say you want to have a company, say that's a, a $10 million your company, are you taking actions consistent with learning how to manage the money of a $10 million company? So if the answer is no, don't expect a $10 million company to show up. You have to do the work. You have to educate yourself. You have to surround yourself with professionals and staff members that can bring a level of integrity and rigor to this area. 
Because if you're managing your finances with emotions, you're going to end up hurting your business and hurting your employees. Yeah. And impulsivity is really dangerous, especially when it comes to money. You know, people are, you're a very different person when you've got money in your personal or your business pocket. And when you don't, yeah, you know, people play scared and the, the, the number one thing to do is to get organized and to get set. You know, for me early, even using mint, the software mint, you know, to start managing my personal finances was a step in the right direction. You know, I was young, had a kid young, needed to budget, you know, uh, there's a bunch of different software that's out there for the for both the personal and the business side. But anything's better than nothing. If you're not currently taking it seriously, you know, can you also elaborate on you said you had a business coach and a finance coach. So yes. talk about that. Well, the I've, I had my first company when I was, uh, geez, I started when I was 19. Um, I really kind of got moving and shaking when I was 21 and, and really peaked around 24. Then I sold it. And so I was always making good money. And, and the more money I made, the more I spent. And my parents never really talked to me about finances and money. No one ever taught me. Uh, and I barely got through high school. So I, I have no education around money. Um, and so kind of a mid, mid-career in my coaching career, I was making phenomenal money, but I was broke. And my business coach took his finance coach and, and made me hire him, like literally made me hire him. It wasn't even an option. And that finance coach spent better part of a decade, you know, teaching me finances at a really high level. And it was when I hired that, that person where there was finally a difference. I actually felt like I was making good money, not just making good money. There's a distinction between I'm making a lot of money, distinct and separate from I feel like I mm. have a lot of money. Hmm. My, my, most of my whole life is I felt broke no matter how much my company made. And my finance coach, by putting in certain systems, structures, processes, and also dealing with the whole mindset around money is what transformed that for me. And so that's why now I work with all my clients around their finances. It's, it's, a, it's a part of the coaching process because you can't grow and scale a consistent business if you're not also dealing with the psychology and the systems of your money. Sure. I mean, I, I even see something like people deciding in their mind how much something should cost before yeah. actually doing the research. And then they undermine the value of the things that they discover because they, they decided way prior that, oh, this should only be 300 bucks. This should only be a thousand bucks, you know, um, and even emotions getting involved there. You can end up sometimes with a project costing way more than you wanted it to and taking two or three times as long simply because there was an emotional decision that went into the assessment of the cost, whether it was actually fiscal or, you know, something about how long it was going to take. Yeah. yeah. I remember um, back in, I remember when, uh, in 2008 hit and, you know, at that point I've, I've been working with my finance coach for quite a while and I remember that everybody around me was complaining about money and they were concerned about the, their home prices, their businesses, just their 401ks. And I remember uh, because my business coach made me do uh, my net worth, business and personal net worth every 30 days. And I remember tracking my net worth that year and it went up 100 and in, uh, it was almost 100, 127, 128. It was almost 130%. It was, you know, it was, it was a good amount. And I was blown away. Because I felt like for some weird reason, I was insulated from the bubble. And really, when we discussed it, it was I was spending the time working on my finances. 
And I'd say a lot of entrepreneurs, they just don't spend the time to work on them. They're working in other places in their business, but they're never standing back and working on it, making sure that it's truly growing and developing. They're not reading the reports. They're not you know, sitting back every week and going to their finances, every month going to their finances. They don't have standing meetings with their, uh, their, their bookkeepers, their business coaches, their CPAs. So all of you listening, it is absolutely imperative that this week you call your CPA and you make a couple standing meetings every single year that you guys meet. And do your them. bookkeeper. Yeah. And your bookkeeper. Making them is not the same. Nope. True. Know, how many how many people do you know that when they say that like, oh, I'm totally going to go to the gym today, they even go as far as putting their bag in their car. Science has shown that you know people actually in their brain feel a little bit like they actually went to the gym just from announcing it and readying themselves to be able to go, even <laughs> if they actually skip it. Right. Yeah. You know, your bookkeeper, you know, most businesses should have a bookkeeper. Uh, we get into that in another conversation. But for, for those of you who do, you and your bookkeeper should be talking at least once a month. They should be going over specific reports with you. They should be pointing out any anomalies or any questions. If your bookkeeper is not doing that, get a new bookkeeper. If your accountant is not willing to, to schedule and do meetings with you a couple times a year, fire them and get someone else. Managing your money Learning your money is one of the best investments. Um, we can uh, put it up on the podcast later, but there's a couple books in this space that I'll recommend. Uh, we'll, we'll post those later for you guys to, to review. Very good. So I think it's a good time to talk about staff performance. What do you think about that? But yeah, let's switch to that. It's a great one. It's a big okay. one. So this is, this it's, is a, it's it's a monster conversation. It's huge. You can't do it all yourself. You know, no. you need people. So when managing staff performance, Let's talk about where you see emotions versus integrity impact the company. Wow. I mean, there is there are so many places to go with this conversation. So I, I think if I had to nail it down, one of the more common things that I hear my clients ask me about is they're really upset with a staff member for doing X, or they're 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 frustrated that a staff member isn't doing something a certain way and they keep having to tell them over and over again. And, you know, should we fire them? Are they not a right fit? And really what it comes down to is my, my instant answer back is, is it in their daily, weekly, monthly checklist? Is it in the operation manual? And 99% of the time it's, what manual? What do you mean by checklist? And then you usually see my hand hit my head really hard. So it's, uh, it's one of these places where everybody who's listening, <clears throat> every team member, every staff member must, I mean, absolutely must have a daily, a weekly and a monthly checklist. If you want to have quarterlies, half yearlies, and annuals, that's fine as well. And if you own the business and you're running your company, you, the CEO, have to have one too. Have to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just to be clear, because we'll be talking about job descriptions in a future build episode, but I wanted to just point out that the checklists are not the same thing as a, as a job description, right? No, they're not. So, right. So you, a job description talks about the responsibilities but not the actual punch list. Absolutely. So it's, it's one of those things where the, the job description and your checklist are kind of heads and tails of the same coin, but they're not actually the same thing. And especially manuals, you know, every single business out there, I don't care how big or small, you can have a manual, you can have SOPs, something that explains how something is done. So uh, something I'm used to saying a lot, just to kind of, kind of put this in a, in a bow, is your job description tells someone what to do. The uh, checklist tells them how to do it. 
and their calendar tells them when to do it. So it's, it's a bit of a trifecta that your job description, your checklist, and your calendar all have to coexist. So to kind of bring it back to this point, like this is a huge conversation, with the emotions versus integrity, the, the checklist being followed is the integrity, right? The, in check, the checklist bring a level of integrity to the space. And many people, they internalize their checklist and like, oh, no, no, I, I know what to do. I, I have it memorized. And that slowly degrades to, well, I felt like checking the voicemails, right? Didn't feel like checking the voicemails when I got in. I figured I would just check them at lunch. Yeah, it's almost like I got around to it kind of thing. Yeah. And because, you know, as human beings, we have a lot on our mind. Our memories are not the most reliable object in the world, hence why we love technology. You know, it starts to slip. So people start to honor their feelings about they, what they feel like doing, what they, what they think they should do versus actually having the integrity to follow a punch list. And if they, if the person and the department follow their checklist, the company thrives. Right. Right. And I also want to point out that there's, you know, when you're deciding what's on that checklist, I personally like to talk about what times of day it's supposed to be done because the way that I look at it is this, let's say that I have something on my checklist that says, you know, um, check our social media for engagement you know, that could be leads, could yeah. be companies that saw something and liked us, or, or, you know, it could be something I'm, I'm checking our, our LinkedIn and stuff like that to see if anybody's poking around. If I'm doing that at the end of the day, that means that I'm losing the opportunity to get somebody throughout the day, or especially going into a weekend on a Friday. Mm-hmm. I agreed. You know, so it's, it's important to think about those items. Do they, if it's really super important, it's going to lead to an opportunity or it's meaningful for the business, you know, product, uh, production and different kinds of workflow. It's got to get scheduled earlier in the day, right. you know, because it's so often you're, you're bumping up against five o'clock or five thirty or six and you didn't get to it because it was crazy. And there was, you know, Johnson and accounting needed to do something crazy today, you know, so on and so Correct. forth. So priorities in addition to checklist items. So let me ask you this, Ryan, since all of this can be tracked back to technology um, and again, I know this is a very broad question, but with checklists, with calendars, with manuals, what technology do you recommend to help people with any of those? Yeah. So when it comes to manuals, I mean, you know, there's there's nothing better than Microsoft OneNote, which most people have not opened up. Most people don't know why it's on their computer. But what's great about OneNote is that have you ever opened up Microsoft Word? And you're trying to get it to behave. What do I mean by that? You're trying to get a, the text or an image to just be where you want it to be. And it can be very cumbersome, right? Because it's, tr- it's trying to do it in a linear format and it's got all kinds of extra you know, formatting that you can't see unless you turn on the extra formatting to be able to know. And then you have to put things behind. OneNote lets you sprawl out and lets you just put images and text wherever you want. You can make mind maps. Um, you can just take all kinds of notes you can put screenshots from all different aspects of what you need to do so that when you're planning out what your punch list is going to be or you know what your your uh, descriptions of different things are going to be for the training manual you can actually give visual reference and have it be something that is then easier later to have That's it nice. put into a word document i like that a lot yeah, there's no great. shortage of of mind mapping software out there there's tons of them but microsoft onenote is already on most people's computers they haven't used it and i recommend just open it up you know, create a new notebook 
and you can have all the freedom in the world to just start yeah. creating. What about with calendars? Because everyone has like I'm I'm partial to Outlook just because I've used it most of my career. Sure. But these days, do you have a favorite uh, calendaring structure? Mm, personally, no. It's really the one that you're going to use. I like sticking with Google, Microsoft, Apple products because they integrate with just about everything. Gotcha. Um, okay. That to me is just as important as it actually working because there's going to come a time where you want your calendar to talk to something else. Yeah, that makes sense. And if it's a no name kind of thing that you just kind of found in the app store, it's probably going to require a Zapier integration or, you know, something in the middle to be able to do the, the pushing of the data between different services. You don't want to get into that. True. You know, you want something that's evergreen. So, you know, it, in, in software, we like that term. Evergreen means it's going to always be around. It's going to always be supported. It's going to always integrate and talk to other stuff. I will say that I like Calendly a lot. Um, Ooh, I've heard of that can, one. Yeah. So I have it in my email signature. You know, I have uh, Calendly.com forward slash Ryan J. Coin. When you click it, it says a little bit, a little blurb about me and a link to my personal website. And then it gives people the ability to schedule 15, 30 or 60 minutes with me. And it's talking to my work calendar and my personal calendar at the same time. So people can book at their own convenience when I've designated that I have available hours. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You know, I'd say time management is probably the largest. If I was to select anything that we've talked about yet today, I'd say that time management is definitely that thing that people don't spend uh, enough time managing. It's, they relate to it like it's, uh, it's emotional. You know, there's just not a lot of integrity around their time management. People look at their calendar like it's a suggestion, not the rule. The gym. Well, we, we talked about that a little bit in the first episode. We did. Yeah, we did. Episode, I should say. But, um, but yeah, this, the, when managing their time, you know, this impacts a company because you see emotions versus integrity there as well. Yes. Absolutely. You know, it's whether it's their, their finances on their calendar, whether it's their gym time, whether it's, uh, you know, sitting down and running staff meetings, working on their business, you know, time management is probably one of the biggest places for each of us to, to really this week, like as a homework assignment, watch how many times you step over a calendar invite that you have on your calendar and your calendar says you're supposed to do X. And you're like, eh, I don't really feel like doing that right now. I'm just going to do it later or I'm going right. to reschedule it. Right. And it's, that's what is the differentiator between highly effective human beings and people that aren't or, or people that right. feel like that they're for four hours in the day. It's just because they're not doing what they say they're going to do when they're going to do it. You know, they're Absolutely. never going to be able to go back in time, you know? Absolutely. So I would say as a homework assignment this week, play with that. Just watch how many times you step over what your calendar says you're supposed to do. And for other people that are listening to this, you might be the polar opposite. You're someone who won't schedule things in your calendar and hit the reoccur button because you want it to be flexible. You want to do it when you want to do it. And again, you just end up jamming stuff in the calendar in the last minute, in the you know, 11th hour when it's due. And it, it creates its own set of problems. So it's really interesting that a lot of the things we talked about can all be traced back to a calendar. It's why one of our, right. our first episodes was on this topic. Yeah, that's tremendously helpful. So, you know, if, if we're talking about people honoring things, you know, whether you're, you or your team are, is doing it properly, 
um, what homework can you give our listeners about getting started at least on creating a framework for themselves to clean this up? Um, it really depends on what department you want to dive into, whether it's finances, whether it's with your staff. But if it was me, I'd say one of the number one structures that we can all use, uh, no matter how big or small your company is, is most of us do weekly meetings or monthly meetings with our team. And I would say in that meeting is an opportunity to go department by department to see what's not working. And then truly ask the staff member, truly ask yourself, are we making decisions here based on feelings and emotions versus on actually doing the work to place integrity in place so that it's a stable, consistent area? Because if you want performance, and you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't interested in performance, because all entrepreneurs are interested in performance. Performance has a direct correlation to integrity. Without integrity, you don't have performance. A race car motor, right? The motor of a race car has more integrity to it than the motor of a uh, you know 1970 pickup truck. And one's not bad or good. One's not better or worse than another. It's just the more performance you want out of something, the more integrity has to exist in that object. So right. integrity is something that you want to get really, really interested in. And not that emotions are bad or we want to uh, you know, dismiss our emotions, but just so that we're clear, a lot of our emotions are past-based. I don't feel like doing this is a very young conversation. It sounds kind of like a five-year-old. I don't want to do it. So Yeah, I, I say to business owners what I say to my son who's eight and a half. You know, you can take a shower before dinner or after dinner. Either way, you're going to get wet. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where we have given ourselves in the business domain a lot of power around our feelings. And oftentimes, if you notice, if you keep honoring your feelings, you're going to keep having the same kind of results you've had for years. And for those of you who want performance, the more you honor what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, you'll notice you'll get more performance, you'll be more effective, and you'll actually have more time. Oh, yeah. It definitely has a ripple effect. I mean, ever since I started you know, talking to you very frequently, I think five years ago, mm -hmm. um, it was not a coincidence that now I'm you know, lovingly referred to as the chief integrity officer at my company. <laughs> I love you that. Know, the, the clients say it all the time that I get back to them when I say I'm going to do it. You know, all all kinds of you know. The I even joke with my boss all the time. And I have this funny thing about keeping promises to people. I got it. I have no choice but to do this. I'm sorry to ask you to stay late, but we have to do. You know, blah blah blah. So it's a uh, it's a lifestyle change, and you don't have to, to to create false or unrealistic expectations for people that makes you not keep that balance as well. That keeps life worth it, but. Just be careful of the promises that you make. You keep them Absolutely. to yourself and to the clients. And just be careful about overpromising. Yeah, people with really good integrity, you'll notice they don't make a lot of promises. They don't say yes a lot. They say, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. My default is, like, let me see what I can do. Yeah. Or no, just be straight about it. Nope, can't take it on yeah. right now. Yeah, and that's, that's where I go to as it turns out. I, I, I trained the entire staff that I work with and I, every time, every, all, all businesses that I've worked at or run, you know, I've run three of my own and I've worked at several others. One of the first things is that I permeate the culture with the concept of getting rid of the word, unfortunately, from everybody's vocabulary. It's only ever as it turns out. It's a much more comfortable way of saying no. It doesn't have as much of a negative connotation. 
It gives you the freedom to say really anything. As it turns out, you know, it's it's not recoverable. However, you know, we're on your team and we're not going to leave you on your own for this and so on and so forth. Um, it, it, it really works well as opposed like to it. saying, unfortunately, for sure. Yeah, I really like that. All right. Well, let's leave it here. So for all of you, I know this is a, a very broad topic. Uh, Ryan and I will be coming back to you with a couple other topics that parallel to this because it's, it's a very expansive conversation. So stay tuned and uh, thank you for spending your time with us. We look forward to hearing from you guys next time. Absolutely. Thanks everybody. Thanks. Take Aaron. care.